I remember back in, I think it was 2007, I think 2007, we had um, our first mainstream LGBTQ troopers ad in a mainstream newspaper. We got so much backlash. Mm-hmm. We had people protesting at our branches. We had you know, money, millions of dollars. You've heard this story before. Millions of dollars withdrawn from the TD bank. And you know what we said? Ed Clark, our then CEO said, tell them that we're upset, that they're upset, and our values are not for sale. That was, to me, as a young person on the front line, a black gay man on the front line, finding my own self, I felt empowered. Welcome to Design Influence. I'm Isabel Swiderski. June in many countries is now known as Pride Month. It's a practice that was established in 1970 to commemorate the New York City Stonewall Riots of 1969 and is now spread to many parts of the world. Since then, it's widely accepted that LGBTQ rights have progressed. But we're routinely reminded that human rights are not universal nor irrevocable. Indigenous folks in Canada don't have access to clean water. A Nigerian Islamic court ordered the death by stoning of three men accused of engaging in homosexuality just earlier this month. The U.S. Supreme Court overturned the federal constitutional right to abortion. Rights are fragile. They require constant minding, relentless vigilance. A recent New York Times article dissected Disney's grappling with taking any kind of political stance, and specifically the backlash it received from its response to Florida's so-called Don't Say Gay law, which restricts classroom instruction through third grade on sexual orientation and gender identity. The overturning of Roe versus Wade and the corporate response that ensued seems to indicate that in the U.S., access to certain care and certain rights might become more closely tied to your employer's willingness or ability to extend it. Despite the current context and political division, the 2022 Human Rights Campaign Foundation's Corporate Equality Index continues to show steady growth in the number of U.S. employers that are committed to implementing LGBTQ-inclusive policies and practices, with 1,271 companies actively participating in the survey. Meanwhile, in Canada, as in the U.S., major companies have long played a role in addressing racial and social injustice through supplier diversity and human resource programs that promote an inclusive approach. I wondered how certain companies have managed to navigate the changing social mores and the changing customer expectations and still successfully develop thriving corporate cultures founded on diversity of thought and service to customer. I got to sit down with Al Ramsey. Al and I served together on the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce Board a few years ago, and he is now proudly serving as VP and head of 2SLGBTQ plus and Black customer segments at TD Bank Group. This year's TD Group Pride campaign has a tagline, forever proud, forever progressing. As Pride season was kicking off, Al was also kicking off his nationwide tour of Pride celebrations. He shared his thoughts on the evolution he's witnessed in his own industry and more generally in the relationship between Corporate Canada and the stakeholders it served. 
I was hired in TD Bank as um, the bank's first full-time diversity and inclusion employee. That was 17 years ago. And the time they hired me in the bank, our CEO, then CEO, Ed Clark, he, he actually took a step back, was about around marriage equality in Canada at that time frame. And we had, you know, in 1994, TD had same-sex um, benefits and no one was taking it up. I think at the time we had about 50,000 employees and something like 90 employees took it up. So clearly people didn't trust the culture at the time. Um, it wasn't inclusive because they weren't, they thought a big brother was watching them. So Ed Clark said, listen, we need to transform this culture and I'm taking onus of this. And hence why my position was created. We need to do a better job in employee um, engagement and inclusion in TD. And my job at the time was national manager, community relations, and my portfolio was diversity, diverse community, including the LGBTQ2 plus community. And that's when I went out and I knocked on the many community partners' doors, including Pride. And we were the first bank, major bank, to sponsor a Pride Festival as Toronto Pride. Now we sponsor dozens of Pride Festivals across the country. So ever since that time, my gay job and my day job pretty much were one and the same. <laughs> and I would say that is kind of a sweet spot, as a lot of people say, you know, find something you're passionate about and figure a way to get paid for it. I was lucky, fortunate, Isabel, to have this amazing job where my personal and my professional life dovetail into one. So a lot of it over the year has been passion-driven, really is a passion for what I do. Um, and that motivates me. I see the lives that you know I'm, we're impacting, communities we're building. And, um, and the work, I really enjoy the work I do. I did many facets of diversity and inclusion, community outreach, employee engagement, and now my current role about customer, the business side of diversity, not only the right thing to do, which it is, but it makes good business sense. Tell me a little bit about that, that evolution uh, from when you started to this, this real focus on saying, yes, we want to support customers, but we want to specifically make sure that we support these customers as well. You know, it, it is an evolution, as you say, and we call it the three C's. You know, community is important, our colleagues are important, and the third C is customer. And I think it's the hardest part when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Far too long organization in corporate Canada, I would say, we think that uh, diversity should be on their HR. It's a nice thing to do. It's employee equity. It's, it's on this safe house of HR and some marketing activities. But I always press leaders, and when I speak in panels and just having that business side of it, there's so many research out there. There's so much research out there to show, you know, diversity of thought brings out the greater, you know, outcome of an organization. Even hiring the best and brightest from diverse communities. You know, you're missing, if you don't think about that intentionally, you can miss a whole swath of great employees who are smart, who should be part of your organization, right? And we, I joke all the time, we, we code women as diverse community. Women make up 50% of the population or more. <laughs> it's, main, it's the main part of your customer base, right? So it's kind of funny when you talk about, you know, women in that function, but also, but LGBTQ plus, indigenous peoples, persons with disabilities, right? 
nor really think about that. It just made good business practice, right? So our evolution started you know, 17 years ago when we were intentional in saying we need to build our brand. Absolutely. And that's why I went out to the community and said, we operate in these communities. We should be investing authentically in these communities that support the TD Bank and vice versa. You know, when I started TD Bank in 2005, I was also on a personal journey too. I was on a professional journey and a personal journey because I was just um, at a, a different organization across the street from TD Bank and I was being bullied in the workplace. And I, told, uh, I, I tell this story all the time. I was bullied because I was, uh, I'm gay. And my coworker overheard. That was 17 years ago in corporate Canada when employees felt bold and bold in certain organization to literally bully you openly. And I felt like so scared because I was still in the closet. TD, when when I you know I met a few leaders in um, in the LGBTQ plus community who wrapped their arms around me, allyship, you know, ally, and they wrapped their arms around me and got me into. Uh, um, a group of people who are influential uh, influencers in, in Canada, and they got me into TD. So TD, when I walked into TD in 2005, it was the first time in my adult life I actually came out. I, I first time I admit to myself, actually, my own journey that I'm gay, and I openly walk into the bank as a you know open gay man way before I came out to my family and friends at home. So I was on the personal journey too, right? So then we start doing that, and then. We start doing more marketing efforts. We start doing a lot of great work with the Chambers of Commerce. For example, you know, the Canadian Gay Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, supplier diversity, you know, looking at the customer piece of it. And then we evolve over time. And now, right now, my job at the vice president level, I am the head of LGBTQ2 plus customer segmentation and the black customer experience segmentation. That's powerful, not because it's my title. It's powerful in terms of the fact that at this level in a large North American bank, you have a position and a team dedicated to looking at diverse customers. And I look at LGBTQ plus and the black customer, but we have other colleagues looking at indigenous peoples, women entrepreneurs, the Asian market, et cetera. So we start to think of segmentation and think about banks in general, Isabel, you know, we're in a people business. It's a relationship business. People make up the TD bank. So in order for us to be a successful bank going forward, we have to look at our customer from their point of view and how best to serve them and how best to give them the advice that they want, their unique, elevated advice. So that's what we're doing right now. And I'm excited with my team. I have a team of as you know, you know, you meet at some of my team members um, across the country. I have a team right across Canada from coast to coast to coast looking at dedicated team, by the way, like dedicated individuals. And they act as a key liaison between the TD Bank and these communities so that we deliver the whole of TD Bank to these customers so that they can have access to whatever TD has to offer. And is your thought that you have this success and this evolution because it's being uh, the vision is being projected and then it's being implemented at all levels? Or why do you think that TD has been successful and has withstood some of the backlash um, through the years and held fast? What, what is the success of an organization that size? It can't be easy. It can't, you know what? It has to. 
going back of moving it from an HR imperative to a business imperative, yeah, that, that's a key anchor. It's a key shift in mindset. So looking at diversity is no longer an HR function or a marketing function, a business function. It can't be centralized in HR and HR tell the organization what to do. The business has to implement these strategies into their business, anchored on deep research and insights. A strategy, not a tactic. This is a long-term play, right? Put the resources behind it. Have measurable outcomes. Show the ROI also on this because it's there. It's just how to think creatively in how you look at segments, right? And look at customer. Um, so that's what we do. So, and there's a couple of things also. Leadership matters. Leadership matters. And if this directive is coming from the top, from our CEO, so our now CEO, Barrett Misrani, said we need to do more to address anti-Black racism and systemic racism and bias. So we have had a lot of success and we have made, you know, um, progress over the years. I was hired back in 2005 to do work on the Black community also, including LGBTQ plus community. But he said, you know what, in this day and age and what's going on, we need to do more in an accelerated fashion. That's coming from our CEO. So we put a stake in the ground and said, this is important for the organization. It's embedded in their leadership framework. It's a part of our DNA, as I say. And then what you need to do is communicate that effectively, effectively to your middle management. Because your middle managers, has, they have to adopt this. Because they, if you think about it, middle management make up a lot of how an organization culture evolves. Think about it, right? And a lot of time, middle managers are made up of people we call allies straight, able-bodied white males. A lot of times, they don't consider diverse. But they have to understand the business case, the diversity, the value of why they need to be an inclusive leader to have better team around their table, diversity of thought, how that can deliver productivity and the greatest outcome and attract great talent in the organization also. And then once that's baked into the business because it's coming down, then now that's how do you impact and influence the greater organization? to do the work and to be part of this. And this is why it's so important to have employee resource group, business resource group, get employees engaged into that. So you have to be firing on a lot of cylinders here. It cannot be just in a silo. The entire organization has to adopt diversity and inclusion and moving it from just diversity of thought on paper and inclusion and put it into practice. And then you have measurable outcomes. And so speaking of putting it into practice, what do you think is the challenge and the opportunity to serve Black, Indigenous peoples, women? You know, um, because there's, there's challenges, obviously, but the biggest challenge that I have seen over the years as we start evolving segmentation and looking at this community is a lot of times I think when folks design strategies, business strategies. They design it only from pure business standpoint and not anchored on deep insights in the community. And I think that's where people get there wrong sometimes. You have to invest into going to the community and deeply embed in the community to understand exactly how to serve the community. The community need to be the center of your strategy. The rest will follow. 
And I would say, for example, we invest a lot in deep research in the community, both qualitative research and quantitative research. You know, I work very closely, for example, the Chamber of Commerce, the CGLCC, and we've done a lot of great research with CGLCC, for example, where we are the lead partner to get those real insights for, you know, entrepreneurs in the LGBTQ plus community. And we heard some really, you know, frightening stats that came out, <laughs> including a lot of entrepreneurs in the community are still in the closet to their suppliers. When I heard that, my mind was like, whoa, how can you operate at your full capacity if you actually had have to, you know, front to a supplier because you're afraid of being discriminated against? So there's a lot of these things. So the way we really look at your anchor on some guiding principles, it has to anchor on deep insights in the community. Secondly, you have to engage with the community authentically and get out in the community. That's so important. And if you want to be really a great, um, authentic supporter of the community, delivering the best customer strategy, you really have to have advisors also who reflect the community. The community wants to see themselves reflected in how you serve. It'd be very disingenuous for any organization to say, I have a strategy on indigenous people and you don't have any indigenous advisors, a part of your strategy, for example, right? So I think a lot of that, that's the biggest. So to answer your question, I think the biggest piece, the biggest piece of this um, is the real insights in the community, but also how do you deliver on it? The execution, a big part of execution is, you know, your advisory population needs to be reflective of the communities you serve. And to that point, how do you think that the work that you've done for so long now for TD has the potential to influence the sector? Does it? And if so, how do you think you might help help do that? I know it's a big question, but it feels like it's such a such an interesting track record and, and it has such an impact on TD's employees. But the rest of the industry, for the most part, is still problematic. Yeah. You know, I, I would say this is going to be an evolution of how we look at diversity. Because think about it, addressing systemic racism and bias, it cannot be tactical or performative. It just can't. You, anyone can write a check. Anyone can make a, a big announcement. It really you have to look at it from a strategic standpoint. And I always maintain that addressing systemic changes is going to require system changes. It's not for the communities to change. It's for organizations to change. So it's our responsibility. And we are very open and honest about that and candid about that. In order for us to be an authentic leader or supporter of these communities, diverse communities, we have to change. The communities don't have to change. So the difference that we're trying to lead by example, I would say, or at least drive what we're trying to do as thought leadership is we're looking at designing a strategy, a long-term strategy. That's just best practices as we go forward. Okay. And that's why I have a full dedicated team. Um, from you know, strategy design distribution right across the country because we have a long-term strategy. That's why uh, my, my role is a full-time position. My employees' role, role those are full-time position. So we really have to be strategic in how we look at it, just like you do any other segmentation work, right? You got to be strategic. And you know what? Hopefully, 
you know, by us leading and we've been there in the market, you know, others can, you know, learn and we can learn at the same time. I would say our community partners have been one of our greatest supporters, I would say, or some of our greatest supporters, I should say. Um, Community partners give us a good sense and a gauge of what we are doing right and what we are doing wrong. And I'm not going to say that we always get it right, Isabel, but our intentions are always clear to get it right. And that's why I have focus group all the time. Or I have great conversation with leaders across you know, the country that are partners with TD Bank. It's very important. But we also know the value of the TD brand. And many of our organizations, community partners, will tell you that when TD gives you know, seed money to a start a community organization or community organization that elevate their presence. We know that. And I'll give, for example, Rainbow Railroad. Rainbow Railroad now, as you know, one of the leading um, grassroots community organization in the LGBTQ community. When they started, you know, over a decade ago or so, they came to us for seed money to start. And we put our brand against it because we knew it was the right thing to do. We are saving lives around the world. There's still 69 countries that is illegal to be gay. I'm on the board of Rainbow Railroad. But we know putting our brand in community organization right across this country, whether in the Black community or LGBT community, it elevates those organizations, but it also elevates our brand also. And then we see other organizations also looking at say, okay, that makes sense. I'll give you an example. When we sponsored Pride Toronto back in 2005, a lot of our competitors were watching to say, what's going on? That was unheard of because a big bank putting their name or their brand against an LGBTQ2 plus organization. Back then it didn't happen, right? Look around today during Pride Month, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, across the world. Just look around. You see, I, I always joke as well that it's as if we're trying to outglitter each other. It's like, which brand has the most rainbow flag or wrap? When I look back at that, I smile. I really do. You know, you know yes, I am a very competitive person and I want my you know, organization to stand tall, which we are. But when I see other organizations, even my competitors stepping up and doing that for the community, we all win. We all win. When one boat rises, what they say, all boats, you know? Um, right. So I would say, you know, I think I love to look at what my competitors are doing and vice versa. And we all work together. And again, if it anchors back in the community, the community should be part, the center of what we do. What we do is that the best for the community. And I think the rest will follow. Absolutely. And and to that point, I was thinking about a couple of things you said about some some providers not being out to to their, or actually some business owners not being out to their providers and the difference that maybe it made for you to start working at TD when you were being bullied elsewhere. What do you think will help us move forward in that respect so that, you know, entrepreneurs will, will create organizations and, and feel, feel more confident that they have the support that they need? What, what, what might accelerate that? You know, I think it's a role for everyone to play. And I think even corporate. And I think that's what we lean in on with all our suppliers. We make sure they understand this is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. You know, support, supporting diversity and inclusion is non-negotiable across the board. 
And I think we need to be more vocal about that to make sure that we create a platform or we create pathways for suppliers, like in this case we're talking about, that they can be their authentic selves when they're talking to um, or working in this fashion. So leadership matters, visibility matters. And that's why, you know, I'm so visible um, in what I do uh, on social media, et cetera. I want folks to know, right, that this is our values. And if you're going to work at a TD bank, then it's non-negotiable. If you want to work for a TD bank in terms of supplier, this is non-negotiable. You know, and we also implore that uh, on, on all our suppliers in general. So that's important. So everyone has a role to play, including organizations like CGLCC, including um, corporates, as we say, like a TD bank, etc. We all have a role to play to help. And that's why I do mentorship also. I was part of the CGLCC mentorship program also. Right. And I know we, we talk about LGBTQ and Black, but I think the same thing is true for women, Indigenous, right, other um, diverse communities. We all have to work together and break them silos. And I think that's what I would love to do. Intersectionality for me is key. And especially me as a Black Guinean, I think there's a role for us to play or for me to play in bridging those gaps also, right, between and both communities to help educate you know, racism, homophobia in either community, just having this conversation. I'm a huge, massive proponent of allyship. I think we all should be each other's allies. It's just the way we, that's just the way human, that's the humanity in all of us. We have to. I, and people look at me and say, you know, yeah, allyship, Al, I agree with you. And I said, do you know that every single day as a leader, I learned something? I learn more about on my team, women, for example. I work very closely with the women entrepreneurship segmentation. I'm a man. I have a lot to learn. Indigenous people, I wasn't born here. I have so much to learn. I learn every day. And I attend events. I show up and I show out at these events so I can learn and people's lived experience. And the list goes on and on. So I think it's incumbent of everyone. And I call it the ecosystem of us working together to ensure that everyone can operate fully 100% and be their authentic self, just like I did, because I've seen, you know, if anything, I have seen, I have seen when you kind of shed those 10 pound bricks off your shoulders, (laughs) you know, because you're in the closet and be your authentic self. And then, you know, you get your wings and you fly. So I would say absolutely everyone's responsibility. That was great. And I, I'm almost tempted to say that that's a great way to end the conversation. But I, I'm curious of what do you think you've so it, clearly you've brought a lot of yourself to your profession to TD. What do you think TD has brought to you or what has it brought to you now at this point in your life? Um, as, as, a, um, as a gay black man who's been out for some time, what yeah. what has it brought? If you'd asked me 30 years ago, living in rural Jamaica, one of the most homophobic countries in the world, by the way, still one of the 69 countries, still illegal to be gay, and growing up in that area, thinking that my life wouldn't be anything much because when I looked around, I saw how my own community, um, even there, then people were dehumanized in a way. If you asked me back then if I could, would, I would have seen myself working in one of the largest banks in North America as the vice president doing the job I do, I've told you that that would have been an, <laughs> it would be a far-fetched, far-fetched dream. 
it would be a far-fetched dream. It would be, you know, it would be a dream, but it's my reality. It is my reality because, you know, I live in Canada. I think it's um, the greatest nation in the world. We have work to do still, but even then, I still believe that um, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I work for an amazing organization that gave me this platform that I can actually, you know, uh, my dreams, I guess, <laughs> being realized. I think TD has done that for me personally in my own personal growth. But most importantly, I think what TD has done for me over the past 17 years, and um, I coined this phrase, my rainbow family. TD has brought in life so many amazing people, my colleagues from senior executives to just my colleagues in general. Um, who always, they're there for me. And I call them, I really hold them dear and close to my heart. And I think that is the greatest gift I could have ever received from any organization, anyone to just provide me or give me a broad family. And I call them my big, beautiful, rainbow family, including you. I met you through my connection with TD. So there you go. <laughs> Al Ramsey is VP and head of 2SLGBTQ plus and black customer segments at TD Bank Group. He's based in Toronto, Canada. This episode of Design Influence is brought to you by 725. From storytelling to program design and implementation to impact measurement, 725 supports values-driven organizations in building a just economy through entrepreneurship. For more on ways to partner, go to 725.com. This is Design Influence. I'm Isabel Swiderski.